Chapter 18 Dark Days Beth did have the fever and was much sicker than anyone. The girls knew nothing about illness and Mr. Lawrence was not allowed to see her. So Hannah had everything all her own way and Dr. Banks did his best, but left a good deal to the excellent nurse. Meg stayed at home, lest she should infect the kings, and kept house feeling very anxious and a little guilty when she wrote letters in which no mention was made of bad illness. She could not think it right to deceive her mother, but Hannah wouldn't hear of Mrs. March being told and worried just for search a trifle. Joe devoted herself to Beth day and night, not a hard task, for Beth was very patient, and bore her pain patiently as long as she could control herself. But there came a time when during the fever feast she began to talk in a hoarse broken voice to play on the coverlet as if on her beloved little piano, and tried to sing with a throat so swollen that there was no music left, a time when she did not know the familiar faces round her, but addressed them by wrong names and called for her mother. Then Joe grew frightened, Meg begged to be allowed to write the truth, and even Hannah said she would think of it, though there was no danger yet. A letter from Washington added to the trouble, for Mr. March had a relapse and could not think of coming home for a long while. How dark the day seemed now, how sad and lonely the house, and how heavy were the hearts of the sisters as they worked and waited while the shadow of death floated over the once happy home. Margaret, sitting alone with tears dropping often on her work, felt how rich she had been in things more precious than any luxurious money could know. In love, protection, peace, and health, the real blessings of life. Then, it was Joe, living in the darkened room with that suffering little sister always before her eyes and that pathetic voice sounding in her ears learned to see the beauty and the sweetness of Beth's nature, to feel how deep and tender a place she felt in all hearts, and to acknowledge the worth of Beth's unselfish ambition to live for others, and make home happy by the exercise of those simple virtues which all may possess, and which all should love and value more than talent, wealth, or beauty. And Naomi, in her exile, longed excitedly to be at home, that she might walk for Beth, feeling now that no service would be hard, and remembering with regretful grief. Laurie haunted the house like a restless ghost, and Mr. Lawrence locked the grand piano because he could not bear to be reminded of the young neighbor who used to make the twilight pleasant for him. Everyone missed Beth. The milkman, baker, grocer, and butcher inquired how she did. Poor Mrs. Hummel came to beg pardon for her thoughtless and to get a shroud for Mina. The neighbors sent all sorts of comforts and good wishes, and even those who knew her best were surprised to find how many friends shy little Beth had made. Meanwhile, she lay on her bed with old Joanna at her side, for even in her wandering she did not forget her forlorn protege. She sent love messages to Amy, made them tell her mother that she would write soon, and often begged for pencil and paper to try to say a word that father might not think that she had forgot about him. But soon even these intervals of consciousness ended, and she lay hour after hour tossing toe and fro with incoherent words on her lips or sang into a heavy sleep which brought her no refreshment. 
Dr. Banks came twice a day. Hannah sat up at night. Meg kept a telegram in her desk all ready to send off any minute. And Joe never stirred from bedside. Hannah, quite worn out, lay down on the sofa at the bed's foot and fell fast asleep. Mr. Lawrence marched to and fro in the parlor, feeling that he would rather face a rebel battery than Mrs. Marsh's anxious countenance as she entered. Lori lay on the rock pretending to rest, but staring into the fire with the thoughtful look which made his black eyes beautifully soft and clear. The girls never forgot the night, for no sleep came to them as they kept their watch, with that grateful sense of powerlessness which comes to us in hours like those. If God spares Beth, I will never complain again, whispered Meg earnestly. If God spares Beth, I'll try to love and serve him all my life, answered Joe with equal fervor. I wish I had no heart. It aches so, sighed Meg after a pause. If life is often as hard as this, I don't see how we shall get through it, added her sister despondently. Here the clock struck twelve, and both forgot themselves in watching Beth, for they fancied a change passed over her worn face. The house was still as dead and nothing but the wailing of the wind broke the deep hush. Weary Hannah slept on and no one but the sisters saw the pale shadow which seemed to fall upon the little bed. An hour went by, and nothing happened, except Lori's quiet departure for the station. Another hour. Still no one came, and anxious fears of delaying storms or accidents by the way, or worst of all, a great grief at Washington haunted the poor girls. The fever flushed, and the look of pain were gone and her little face looked so pale and peaceful. Leaning low over his dearest of her sisters, Joe kissed the damp forehead with her heart on her lips, and softly whispered, Goodbye, my Beth. Goodbye. Hannah started out on her sleep, hurried to the bed, looked at Beth, felt her hands, listened at her lips, and then, throwing her apron over her head, sat down to rock toe and fro, exclaiming on her breath, the fever's turn, she's sleeping natural. Praise be given. Oh my godness me. Before the girls could believe the happy truth, the doctor came to confirm it. He was a homely man, but they thought his face quite heavenly when he smiled and said, Yes, my dears, I think the little girl will pull through this time. Keep the house quiet, learn her sleep, and when she wakes, give her what they were to give, neither hurt for both crept into the dark hole and sitting on the stairs held each other close rejoicing with hearts too full for words if mother will only come now said joe see said meg coming up with a white half open rose i thought this would hardly be ready to lay in bed's hand tomorrow if she went away from us but it has blossomed in the night and now i meant to put it in my vase here so that when the darling wakes the first thing she sees will be the little rose in mother's face. Never had the sun risen so beautifully and never had the world seemed so lovely as it did to the eyes of Meg and Joe. It looks like a fairy world, said Meg, smiling to herself as she stood behind the curtain. Hark, cried Joe, starting to her feet. Yes, there was a the sound of bells at the door below, a cry for Hannah, and then Lori's voice singing in a joyful whisper. Girls. 
She's come. She's come.